But time is running short, eh? and I'm afraid we now have to come on to the third and last part of the lecture, which is Padmasambhava's teachings and the spiritual tradition of which he is regarded as being the founder. And we'll have to be very brief indeed here, this time only for a few salient points. Uh, first of all, just one general observation. As I uh, realized from the time that I saw first that image of Padmasambhava, and as I realized increasingly, as I had more and more contact with Tibetan Buddhists, including many distinguished lamas, the figure of Padmasambhava, just the figure, you may say, huh, exerted a tremendous impact on the imagination of the Tibetan people. Hmm? There's perhaps not a single Tibetan Buddhist huh, who doesn't know, who isn't familiar with the figure of Padmasambhava, regardless of the school of Tibetan Buddhism to which he belongs. We may say even that in some ways Padmasambhava is the most distinctive and most colourful figure in the whole history of Tibetan Buddhism. And it's quite impossible when you see his picture or image or any other representation, it's quite impossible to mistake him for anybody else. Now it isn't easy, in fact it's very difficult to say very much, even anything at all, about his actual teachings. This is partly because Padmasambhava, being a yogi above all, was much more important for what he was than for what he said. And partly it's because the teachings of Padmasambhava, to the extent that he did teach at all, are predominantly tantric in character, an esoteric tantric fact. And in addition, according to Nyingma Park tradition, uh, what he did was, uh, in the course of his stay in Tibet after the consecration of Samye, he came to the conclusion that the Tibetans were not spiritually advanced enough to understand his real teachings. So he wrote them down in little books and he hid them, we're told, in different places, in caves, uh, under rocks. And the Tibetans believed that they were discovered many, many centuries later. And these are known as termas, which means treasures, uh, books which were buried and then discovered, then taken up. I'll be saying a few words about them later on. Hmm? Now, though Padmasambhava's teachings were predominantly tantric, he by no means rejected the earlier forms of Buddhism. He by no means rejected what we call the Hinayana and the Mahayana. In fact, he regarded them all. Hinayana, Mahayana, Vajrayana, Vajrayana of course meaning the tantric teachings, as being successive stages on a single path to enlightenment or Buddhahood. And this idea, by the way, is the common property of all forms of Tibetan Buddhism, that in your journey to enlightenment you pass through all these three yanas, Hinayana, Mahayana, Vajrayana. But Padmasambhava went a bit further, or rather he dealt with the three yanas rather more elaborately. He divided the path to enlightenment not just into the three yanas, but into nine yanas, the culminating one being the Ati Yoga Yana, which was his own special contribution. In fact, his own distinctive teaching, the teaching in which he specialized. 
So I'm going now just very briefly indeed to enumerate, it's hardly more than that, enumerate these nine yanas. And this will give us, I hope, some general idea of the type of Buddhist tradition that Padmasambhava represented and introduced into Tibet. Hmm. 